precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. We are in a series called The Attributes of God. And Pastor Andy did God is Jealous last week. Anybody here? What an incredible message. I got a chance to listen to that um, uh, throughout the week, a little bit at a time. And I really just let it kind of simmer and just sit in there. So I want to share, I'll mention a couple things of what he said I think is really good. But one thing that this is kind of off notes for this morning, so just listen up here. I'm not going to put anything on the screen. God is both God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he is a triune God. He is three in one. And yesterday at Waldemere, you'll notice I like to use a lot of stories from like life happening right now. Yesterday at Waldemere, the Holy Spirit moved in an incredible fashion just for our family personally, and I want to share that. Because we had a conversation while we were eating with someone, and they don't go to our church, and that's fine, but they were talking about fear in parenting. And they were, they were worried about letting their son or daughter go off into the Waldemere Park and this world that we live in. And they were just, you could just see the tension and the fear in what they were saying and how they were acting. Like, how do you just let your kids go out and run around Waldemere, eight-year-olds with their friends, without hovering over them? And I answered, because of the Holy Spirit. And they kind of looked at me and was just like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, because we check in with the Holy Spirit. So before we came to Waldemere, Liz specifically asked me, she says, hey, babe, why don't you pray, ask the Holy Spirit, if it is okay for us to allow our children just to go out and run around Waldemere Park today, yes or no? And then listen for the answer and hear it and then respond accordingly. So it doesn't mean we just let our kids roam around Waldemere every time we go to Waldemere. But we have to have a check-in with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Father and God the Son. And we need to rely on that. He is our guide. He is our counselor. He is our advisor. There is wisdom that comes through the Holy Spirit. And he is able to bring peace in circumstances where there pe- people can't find peace. Because they're looking for it in another direction. And so I mentioned that Jairus was not feeling well. So we're getting towards the end of the night. Jairus is like D-O-N-E. Okay, he's done. Right, he is just like he's sitting in the pavilion. He's down here like this. He's oh, oh, oh. So Liz's like, we gotta go. Well, Eva doesn't have a cell phone. We have no idea where Eva is. We were able to collect a lot of our other kids. <laughs> we found Ruby. We found Noel, and we found Lila was over here. And so, and Maggie was with us at that time. Uh, so we found everybody except for Eva, and we said we have to go find Eva. I said, all right, babe, you start packing up all the stuff. You start heading to the car. I'm going to go find Eva. But what I really meant is the Holy Spirit is going to find Eva for me. And he is going to lead me and guide me to exactly where she is quickly because Jairus doesn't feel well and he shouldn't have to sit in the car for very long. I'm going to go find Eva. And so they went this way and I stood there. Honest to goodness. Holy Spirit, where's Eva? right in the middle of Waldemere, in the middle of Waldemere. He said, walk to the steel dragon. Okay, I know where that is. So I begin, I'm talking 30 seconds. I start walking to the steel dragon. I'm walking this way, staring at the steel dragon. Holy Spirit says, look left. Look left. And I go like this. Going up the mountain, 
on that log, the log mountain, going up the mountain, happy as can be, is Eva. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's right there. I'm going, Eva, Eva. She doesn't hear me. She's with her friends. They're excited. They're going like that. And whoa, she goes down. She gets so, but I knew, I'm telling you, between 45 seconds and a minute, in a park that is, I don't know how big, and if you were there yesterday, it was crowded. It wasn't like there was a few people there. There were thousands upon thousands of people at Waldemar yesterday. The Holy Spirit helped me find Eva in about 45 seconds to a minute. I just started walking. He said, look left. There she was, going up the mountain, happy as can be. Now, she wasn't as happy that I told her we had to leave a little bit earlier than she, was, than she wanted, but she got it. But guys, think about that. Every day, you have an opportunity in situations in your life where the Holy Spirit is with you. He's in you. He's with you. He's around you. It's like this guide that we can utilize each and every day. Why don't we do it all the time? I'm, me, me included, right? We start trudging through something and trying our own way and working our own things and pulling out maps, like, theoretically, right? Pulling out maps of Waldemir and trying to, you know, statistical analysis of where the best opportunity, if I look here first, then that would make sense because then I'd eliminate this and eliminate... There was no statistical analysis of the best way to move through the park to try to swarm and look for my daughter, Eva. He said, steel dragon. He said, look left. There she is. By the time we got to the car, they were barely even done loading the car. There was no waiting, no hesitation. And before Jairus, before we got home, we actually got home before he started throwing up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Didn't have to clean up the car either. Because who knows? I mean, Holy Spirit works that way. If it would have taken me longer, if I didn't listen, then I didn't find it. Now we're driving home. Now he's throwing up in the car instead of in the nice little bucket at home. Right? So now I got, now I'm cleaning up the van, all this other stuff, right? It's like, come on. I'm going to share another story a little bit later in the evening of what happened where I missed it. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. You guys like those stories too. I know. That's okay. Because <laughs> I'm human with you. I'm human with you. Okay, the attributes of God. Here's what we've got done so far. God is infinite. God is immutable, meaning he never changes. God is love. God is good. Oh, he's so good. God is wise. <laughs> perfect example last night, full of perfect wisdom, leads us and guides where we need to go. Attribute six was God is faithful. Number seven was God is merciful. Number eight was God is gracious. He's full of grace, unmerited favor to us. Thank you, Lord, for that. And then last week, Pastor Andy did God is jealous. Uh, and he talked about removing idols from our life, uh, the less wild lovers. And he talked about how Jesus is a, is a wild lover for our hearts. And that God is jealous. He's jealous when we have things in our lives in place of him. And we all do that. We all struggle with that, me included. And we struggle with that. Um, but this morning, I want to talk about attribute 10. Again, God is just. Mm. And I want to talk about this in conjunction with God, because we already talked about how God is good and God is merciful. And then how do we wrap our, our minds and our hearts around that God is also just? And what do we mean by just? It means he is infinitely, unchangeably right and perfect in all that he does. He is right and perfect in all that he does. And we get the word justice from the word just, 
and I'm going to explain what the, what the word just is here in just a minute, but ha, me included, we love justice when it happens to somebody else who we think should have justice against them. No, right? Just like, mm, they got what was coming to them. Yeah, right? I mean, it's, I use the speeding example all the time just to be, you know, play it on the PG level here for, for everybody at church. We don't need to talk about, you know, big, terrible things that happen in the world. But you know that guy who's going 100 miles an hour past you on the highway? You're like, oh my gosh, look at how that person's driving. That's ridiculous. And then you see him like a mile and a half down the road, pulled off to the side of the road by the cop. You're like, yep, justice. <laughs> they got what was coming to them. Yeah? And, but how about us, guys? Praise God that we don't get everything So this justice that God has, he is infinitely just. He's always doing the right thing, but he's also merciful. And he also spares us from paying the price of everything that we've done all the time. Just as this, this is what it means. I don't think I have it up there. But it's based on behaving accordingly to what is morally right and fair. God is morally right and fair. Deuteronomy 32.4 says this. It says, he is the rock. Come on, church. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways, all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice. So if he is a God of just, and he's a God of justice, that means there is no injustice in him. Righteousness and upright is he. Psalm 89 says this, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And mercy and truth go before your face. And then the New Testament, Romans 2 says this, who will render to each one according to his deeds? We're going to get a little difficult here in a little bit. Who will render to each one according to his deeds? Sounds like justice to me. Sounds like fairness to me. And then in verse 11 in Romans 2 says, For there is no partiality with God. Ooh, okay. That's good. So what does this mean that God is just? It means that he's more than just simply fair. It means he always does what is right and good toward all men. Likewise, although it is hard for us to accept his sentencing of evil, of unrepented sinners to hell, is also right and good and fair. That, I mean, that's justice. That is justice. So this natural question that we have, this natural thing we have to begin to think, well, if he is just, but he's also, what, how, how can God, how can then a just God justify the unjust? There's one way. Jesus. There's only one way. It's Jesus. Through the work of Christ on the cross, through his atonement, listen to this, justice is not violated, but it is satisfied when God spares the sinner. Because Jesus took the sin on the cross. He paid the price for our sins, both past, present, and future. The the justice that has to happen because of sin happened on Jesus on the cross for those who believe in him. Oh, my goodness. So it doesn't mean 
that because we are spared that God isn't just, it means that someone had to pay the price of that justice. And praise God for those who have accepted that miraculous work. It was Jesus. And it is not you and it is not me for those who have accepted him. His mercy does not forbid him to exercise his justice. Think about that. His mercy, because he's merciful, doesn't forbid him to exercise, nor does his justice forbid him to exercise his mercy. He is both fully merciful and fully just at the same time. Only God, right? Only God can do that. Because we're driving by that, speeder, that speeding guy on the, or girl on the highway, and we're just like, are we, are we feeling much mercy at that moment? Usually I'm like, yeah, nope. See that? Speeding. They're getting what, they, what, what was coming to them. But Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the debt. A sacrifice, as the Bible states and as God set up, a sacrifice must be made for sin. Justice must occur because he's fully just. But Jesus paid the price. To believe this means, listen to this, those who believe, oh, God's too kind to send people to eternal hell. You know, Pastor Jason, you've been talking about God is good, he is faithful, all the happy, happy, happy stuff. He's the healer, this is great, he's jealous, he loves us. But church, he is also just. And he will bring justice to this world. He will bring justice to sinners. And just because he is good, faithful, and merciful doesn't mean he is not just. So some of us believe that God must be too kind to punish the ungodly, but to believe this means we are having a dull reality of his actual unchanging justice. God will have justice for sin. One of two ways. Either through Christ's atoning atoning death, which those who have accepted Jesus, we say amen, hallelujah. Or for those who do not accept it, there will be eternal punishment on them. So for me, as I was thinking about this message, I'm just so grateful that Jesus saved me. I'm so glad that Jesus paid the price, that he took it on his body. His blood shed, his body broken for me. And so as I see that, as I see that God is just in what Jesus has done for me, it actually propels me to live differently. And each of us have to realize and recognize that just because God is good and merciful, but if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you don't get to do whatever you want. Guys, you don't get to do whatever you want whenever you want to do it anymore. Like, well, but God is, he already paid the price for me. God is merciful. He's forgiven all my sins. That is a true statement. But because God is also just, because we're going to see in a moment that God is going to hold us accountable for our lives. Do you realize that? Just because you are saved, just because you are going to heaven, doesn't mean that we don't are not held account in front of him for our lives, for the things we've said, the things we've done. Oh my goodness. 
Like we skip over this part of the Bible sometimes. It's like, well, God's good. God saved me. He's merciful. I can do whatever I want whenever I want to do it. I'm not saying us. I'm saying people. And we watch shows. And we participate in things. And we speak certain ways. But I believe God is calling us to a higher level. He's calling, because he is just, because he will hold us accountable someday, and because he's merciful, and because he's good, and the reason why he commands us to act and do a certain ways is for our own protection. Because he knows that when we gossip, it only causes other pain and us pain. And he knows when we lie or when we cheat, it only causes us pain and others pain. And so he's calling us to a higher standard. The Bible clearly tells us we will give an account someday. Look at Romans 14. Romans 14.10 says this. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we, we all, every one of us in this room, every one of us listening, shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. And then verse 12 is this. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. It says you can't do anything you want to do whenever you want to do it. it says that God is calling us to a higher standard. He's calling us to the next level. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. Bible, the Bible always interprets itself. It always gives justification for itself. It always balances out. I'd never try to take one scripture and just say, see that? But it's always God has shows in his word over and over. So there's a pattern and there's a rhythm to this. So here again in 2 Corinthians 5 says this. Therefore, we shall make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. It should be our aim to live a life pleasing to God. And I think a lot of us have lost, even my own life, we've lost this reverence or this awe of God. And we're just so thankful for Jesus and he's my friend and he saved me. But we don't have a life transformation change. We say, you know what, I can no longer do that anymore. I can no longer listen to certain language on a show and just be like, eh, you know, it's just a couple things here and there. It'll be all right. God continues to call us to a higher standard. Verse 10, for we must all, again, all of us appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We no longer get to do whatever we want. You know, the Bible clearly says that narrow is the way. Narrow is the way to heaven. Not broad, not I can do whatever I want whenever I want to go do it. It says narrow is the way. And you think of a narrow path, it's like there's not a whole lot of (laughs) moving around before you're off in a ditch. And it's okay, sometimes we get into a ditch, but we got to get out of the ditch. Friends of ours, fellowship of believers help us get out of the ditch and get us back on the narrow path. And we need to speak into each other's lives when we see somebody else in our own life who's a boarding and believer and they're acting in a way that is not of Christ, we should address it. 
And I think we shy away from these situations. These sort of, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to act. You're not judging them. We're actually helping them. And if you do it in love, and you do it when there's a relationship there, you're able to pull people out of the ditch. I've been in a ditch. I'm so thankful that people have pulled me out of the ditch. Matthew 7, 13 says this. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. When we put no boundaries on ourselves, when there are no, when we say, you know what, God's good, and we don't take in God completely and who he is and all of his characteristics and all of his personality traits, that he is also just, and we want to live according to his commands and what he's commanded us to do, when we just believe, hey, I can do anything I want, whatever I want to go do it, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Will you still get to heaven if you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? If God knows your heart, the answer is yes. But it doesn't mean you, there's so much you can avoid in this life of pain and circumstance and situations if you just begin to say, Lord, please, help me get back on this narrow path. Because narrow is the gate. And he tells us here, and difficult is the way. This is not easy. I love how Jesus words this, like, hey, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to go do, and he understands that, and that's why he's here to help us, and that's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. And that's why God is also good and faithful, because he helps us on this journey called life. It's difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. That verse actually like, kind of like alarms me sometimes. Have I found it? Have you found it? So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? I believe we have to take an account of our lives, an inventory of our lives. What am I doing? What am I saying? What am I watching? How am I acting? And begin to just reflect upon your life. It means you can't just go and do anything you want, whenever you want, and not try to hold yourself accountable and say, or a friend say, Pastor Andy and I, like, dude, you got to hold me accountable. And I hold him accountable for certain things in our lives. And if I get out of line, he says, yo, brother. What you doing over there? Yeah. And I've committed to tell him when I'm out of line. And so I promised him something. I promised Pastor Andy, and as your pastor, I promised this guy right here in the front row that if I knowingly, and he doesn't know, if I get out of line in some way, in some area of my life, I am required by an oath and a promise that I made to him to tell him. And there are many times where I feel like going off the path and I'm just like, oh, I gotta, I'm going to have to go tell Pastor Andy. Oh, I'm pulling the flesh back in. Oh, okay. I'll tell you the other thing that helps me tremendously when, you know, you're trying to walk this narrow path is being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in your prayer language. There are so many times when there was an opportunity to sin right in front of me, and I would just begin to speak and pray in my prayer language, th thanking him, not knowing what to say or what to do, and he just begins to move and work in that situation and changes things. So we have to say, Lord, we have to take this inventory. So what is this response? What is our response to God's justice? I'm going to give you a couple things. Number one, we got to worship him. we got to worship him. 
One, because he's just. Two, because he's also merciful that we don't have to pay the full price every time we make a mistake. And so we thank Jesus constantly, every day. Every day when I wake up, I want to worship him and thank him. Every character trait he has, I believe this has been the first thing I told us to go do. Just worship him. We worship him because he's good. We worship him because he's merciful. We worship him because he's faithful. We worship him because he's just. We worship him. We thank him for who he is. Then the second thing we have to do is we have to examine your hearts, our hearts. We have to take an account, an inventory. We can't just do whatever we want whenever we want anymore. We have to take an examination of our heart and take an inventory of what we're saying, what we're doing, how we're acting, what we're watching. So let me tell you the second story from last night's amazing Waldemere Day. So, actually it happened two times during the week, so I'm going to share the whole thing. Liz goes home uh, midday yesterday to pick up dinner to then bring it back. And you know, we have a pool in our backyard, it's this beautiful space. And she sends me a picture. She sends me a picture of the pool. What are we going to do about this? Okay, I'm in the middle of Waldemere. And I look at the picture, and here, I guess it got windy, like, periodically yesterday, right? Like, all of a sudden, a wind would gust. Well, at our pool, we've got these umbrellas that are on these, you know, they're on these roller stands, you know, but the stands themselves are, like, 60 pounds of, like, pure iron, right? There's just this pure metal. Well, apparently, the wind took one of the umbrellas, which was open, and took the entire thing, including the 60-pound weight, and threw it right into the pool. Now, there's a shallow end and there's a deep end. Which one do you think? Right, I, I got four umbrellas. Two of them could have been nicely put in this. Jocelyn? The shallow end? That is what I hoped for. And I appreciate your faith in things going well for me. However, it was the deep end. And she sends me a picture of a fully submerged umbrella, completely open, still attached to a 60-pound base at the bottom of the deep end. So I'm like, hmm, that'd be great. Because, you know, it was really warm last night. So the first thing I wanted to do after coming home from Waldemere all day was to jump in the pool and to try to fish out this umbrella, right? So we get home, and I'm just like, okay, got to do it, going to do it. So I, you know, put on my bathing suit. Liz is out there. She's in her winter jacket, by the way, <laughs> watching me. Go for it, babe. She's just skimming those helicopters off the top of the pool. Go make it happen, babe. Love you, right? And so I jump in the pool, and apparently at some point, Ruby comes out. And so I, I, I must not have as much practice holding my breath as I normally do. So I take a deep breath, and I go under, and I start trying to pull the umbrella up. So I'm pushing off the bottom of the deep end with all my might. I'm holding on to the pull. Whoo, and I'm swimming, I'm swimming, I'm swimming. Realizing about halfway up out of the water, I'm not going to make it. Like, it's just too heavy for me to pull. And now I realize I'm underneath the umbrella, which is now pulling me down further back into the deep end, and I'm losing breath. Right? And so I'm like, I let go, and I come up. And I get out, and I say a four-letter word. It starts with S. So stop right there. Okay. It wasn't stop. And Ruby was right there. Oh. My 10-year-old daughter was right there. She goes, T. 
dad. Dad, you just said a bad word. And I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> Let's see if you want to go down into the deep end and pull up a 70, 60, and 70-pound umbrella out of the deep end. Right? I did. I let it rip. And then I realized the Lord convicted me right in the pool. Right in the pool. I realized that earlier in the week during a softball game, I may have used the same word when I dropped a ball in the outfield. And I was like, Lord, what is going on? And he showed me that Liz and I have been watching a show on Netflix that had more cursing in it than we normally ever watch. And it actually was affecting how I was speaking. And the Lord said, what are you going to preach about tomorrow? Examine yourself. Examine your heart. What are you allowing to come into your life and see how it affects what flows out of your heart? And I was like, Lord, I could have used a lot of different examples other than that. But okay, the umbrella in the deep end, dropping a fairly routine fly ball in the middle of the outfield, which almost lost the game. We did win, praise God. But I realized that words that were coming out of my mouth that were not as they should be. And so, yes, I did get the umbrella out of the demon. You want to know my strategy? My strategy actually was then to go undertake breasts and roll up the umbrella so it would come down. Yeah, pretty good. There's probably a lot of ways this could have been solved. You all probably have it solved before I did, but look, I was at Waldemere all day long. It is now 9.30 at night. I'm exhausted. I'm freezing cold in the deep end of my pool trying to lug this stupid thing out. I'm like, it'll float like a person. No, it doesn't float like a person. There's no body fat in the iron thing that holds the umbrellas down. Like where my mind was thinking, like, like, like I'm just thinking, well, it was just floats. Like I just pick it up, like you know how you hold someone in the water? Like this is so easy. It's going to be so light. No, not light. Not at all. Iron sinks, and it stays there. That's why they're called anchors, right? So I'm trying to pull this anchor up out of the deep end. So I finally undid the thing. We got it down. And then I kind of pulled. I didn't want to drag it too much. It, like, ripped the liner on the bottom of the pool. So I got it sort of towards the end. And I started going real slow, holding the side of the pool and getting it up. Of course, there's, you know, the angle going down. So it's like, keeps wanting to pull down. I finally got it to a point where I could kind of lift it up. I got it out. Thank you, Jesus. He helped me. Took a few curse words to make it happen, unfortunately. But what the Lord was saying, and it's a funny story, but I hope it helps you remember, like, we have to examine our lives. There are words that are coming out of our mouths, and there are things that we're saying, and if we're gossiping, or if we're treating someone unkindly, or if we're lying, or if we're cheating, or we're stealing, or we're just not treating people kindly, we have to examine our heart. God is just. We're going to be held account someday. So we have to say, Lord... Help me. Change me. Invite him into that situation. Invite him into your life. Invite him into that circumstance. Then the next thing we have to go do is allow God to be the judge. Okay? Do I even have to explain this one very much? We walk around as judge and jury, especially on social media, over every situation that's out there. Hmm? If I was that, if I would this, if it would this, right? We always have our opinions and we always judge. But God says, do not judge or you will be judged. Which means justice comes from God, not from us. 
Yes, there's unrighteous, uh, there's this righteous anger, and there's things that are happening that we can be angry about, and, but even Pastor Andy said that. That emotion, that feeling we have, with it's the actions we take with it. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It's God who judges. It's Jesus who loved, and we're supposed to be like Jesus, not like the Holy Spirit. We are supposed to be like Jesus. He was flesh and blood. We are to be like him. We are not to be the convictors. We are not to be the judgers. That's God's job and the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to be like Jesus, and that's to love. So allow God to be the judge. Then the last thing here, Sid, if you want to come up, the last thing here is to tell others about him. Because he is just, which means he will do what he says he will do, and those who don't know Jesus when they pass from this life will have eternal separation from him. That is a real thing. That is a real thing. And I think too often we go about life, including myself, not recognizing that everyone that we walk past, everyone that is in our life or in our circle or in our families or wherever they are, we have to remember and realize God is just. And there will be a price paid for sin. And there's either one of two ways. It's either through Christ's work and atonement on the cross because you believed in him and accepted him, or eternal separation from God. And that's a real thing. And those who are believers, it is our job, it is our commission to show them, to share with them, to give our testimony on how we live and how we act. If we just look and act just like the world, why would the world want anything different? He's calling us to an account. He's calling us to the narrow road. He's calling us to a different way because we are to be his hands and feet in this world. We are to be different. We should look different, talk different, act different because of what he did for us. And it leads others to him as well. Just bow your heads this morning. Father, we just come before you, Lord. Oh, we do worship you. We do thank you that you are a just God. That you will bring justice by your mighty hand. And you do so daily and you will bring ultimate justice to this earth and to this world. Upon your return and your reign in eternity with you. So, Lord, this morning, I just ask that you would reveal to us as we examine our hearts, even now, as we take this moment to examine things in our own life that you are calling us away from, calling us out of, calling us to stop. Lord, show us Father, we open our hearts to you today to do the difficult work of stripping things away in our lives that need to be stripped away because it's for our own good, our own blessing. But Lord, we do it because we love you. We want to serve you. We want to be obedient to you. So Lord, we just lay our hearts before you today to examine them. Reveal to us the things that need changed 
in our life. Father, I also pray that we would allow you to be the judge and for the Holy Spirit to convict and that we would just be ones who love, who care, who help the poor, who help the needy, who help our neighbor. Lord, that you would strengthen us to tell others about you. You would give us divine tactics and revelations to share our testimony, to have opportunities to witness in how you've called us to witness. And Lord, that we're reminded that we don't all have to witness the same exact way. And that you use our story, you use our testimony, you use the things you've done in our lives to show others the love that you have for us and for them. So Father, we give you all the honor and the praise and the glory. We thank you, Lord, that you are just, but also that you are merciful to us. Give you all the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have some prayer leaders that are going to come up here, if they could come up uh, even now as as we're finishing up here. If you have any need in your life, whether it's a prayer for healing, maybe something that's coming up, a situation in your life, I just would encourage you to come up here, have them pray with you. And I want to end with this benediction out of 2 Corinthians uh, 13. It says this. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen and amen. We love you guys. Come visit us at a softball game this week. And don't forget, Wednesday is prayer night.